1: It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network.
2: It's Season 14 of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Performing through the summer months, the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is presented by the Sonic Society for the Mutual Audio Network and features producers and actor troops from the modern age of audio drama who recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Playhouse endeavours to bring shows to a contemporary audience for the love of the medium, and not in any intended form of copyright infringement of these classic radio plays. And now we go to our host of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, on stage now, me, Mr. David (laughs) Alt. Ladies, gentlemen, friends, if you could please return to your seats. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. It's time for our second act and our final performance on the Sonic Summerstock stage for season 14. Jack Ward and Sonic Cinema returns with another genre close to Jack's heart, the screwball comedy. Some of you still remember their performance of Bringing Up Baby. Well, our final feature is another of those grand traditions. This time from the First Nighter series, please join me in welcoming John Bell and Pat Rosebank in love is stranger than fiction
0: the following audio drama is rated pg for parental guidance
3: Mutual Audio Network presents A Recreation of the First Nighter Program Theater time, Broadway And once again it's time to make that famous trip To our celebrated little theater off Times Square We're about to attend the opening of a new show On the Great White Way A Broadway First Nighter And here's our host for the evening The genial First Nighter
4: Good evening Good to see you again. I hear the curtain will be promptly at 8.30 tonight. So, let's be on our way. My cat is waiting. Won't you step in? All right, driver, to the Little Theater. Up Broadway, across 42nd Street, past the dazzling brilliance of a thousand lights, through milling crowds into the heart of theaterland. there ahead is the Little Theater off Times Square. Well, here we are.
1: First
4: nighter, Usher will show you to your seats. Thank you. We'll go right in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're settled in perfect seats in third row center, and the last of the audience are hurrying in before First Curtain. But about the play, it's a comedy romance entitled Love is Stranger Than Fiction by Erwin Title. our two stars, John Bell and Pat Rosebank. Mr. Bell is cast as Blake, a young publisher. Miss Rosebank is cast as Louise, his secretary. And what an illustrious supporting cast. Angela Young is heard as Miss Jones. Larry Grohley as Harry. Joe Stofko as Creighton. And Paul Arbeasy as Alsop.
1: Curtain? First curtain?
4: There's the signal for first curtain. The house lights are out, and here's the play. (laughs)
1: Please look at that, will you? What book heads the bestsellers in Terre Haute? Purple Petals by Phoebe Sinclair, published by Alsop Brothers. In Pittsburgh, Purple Petals. In Montreal, Hartford, and Gary, Indiana, Purple Petals by Phoebe Sinclair. Don't stand there repeating my words. Benson and Blake are supposed to be the most aggressive publishing house in the business, and we haven't had a bestseller in two years. Then an upstart firm like Alsop Brothers steals this book from under our noses.
5: Our noses? Mr. Alan Blake, I've been your secretary long enough for you to know that I insist on accuracy from an employer above all else. What do you mean? Didn't we turn down the... You are using the wrong personal pronoun. We didn't. When I gave you the Purple Petals manuscript, attached to it were three enthusiastic reports from our three readers and a note of mine. Remember what it said?
1: It's easy to say I told you so when it's
5: all... It said, I wish I'd written this book because it will sell a million copies. Remember what you said? How on earth do you expect me to... You said it reminded you of a boiled orange, a very soggy pap colored on the outside. So I
1: did. And so it is. The mere fact that there are two million lame brains with enough money to buy a copy doesn't mean... It's
5: in its eighth printing inside a year. Movie rights sold for half a million. And you turned it down.
1: I must have been smoking hashish.
5: But who is Phoebe St. Clair?
1: If we could only find her and tell her that some unauthorized maniac in our office rejected her book, maybe we'd have a chance at her next one.
5: You've spent scads of B&B's money for detectives to watch Alsop Brothers offices to see if they can discover who Miss Sinclair is. I've tried
1: everything and not a clue. She hates publicity. <sighs> Louise. I've known for some time that Joe Alsop has offered you everything but their printing presses to work for him. Why do you stick here?
5: I'm just contrary. Or maybe it's a proverb my grandpa taught me on his knee about rats in a sinking ship. I'm not a rodent.
1: And you're not showing good judgment. If we don't get a book that will sell, and sell soon, there just won't be a ship. Do you
0: want to look at this manuscript now, Mr. Blake?
1: Frankly, Miss Jones, no. What is it?
0: It's called Hard Flows the Sea by a new writer, Stephen Shad Stronghurst. What do
1: you think of it? Honestly, I don't remember being so excited by a book in years. That's what you said about 10 acres, and look what that turkey did to us.
0: It's not my opinion alone this time. Both Henderson and Simon have written two pages
1: about it. That's always a help. At least we're sure of three sales if we publish it. What's this? Louise read it, too. That's her comment. Uh, See, uh, last time I said I wished I'd written this book because it will sell a million copies. At the risk of repeating myself, I'm repeating myself. Louise. Hmm. Anything else, Mr. Blake? Uh, No, just tell the switchboard I'm not to be disturbed for the next three hours. But look, Alan, it's, it's after five, and I've got a very important date with a very important girl. I don't care if you've got ten important dates and all with Rita Hayworth. You stay right here. Why me? I- I'm going to miss the 540, and you know that I You're hate to You're our the- publicity director, Harry, and this manuscript is so hot, I want you to start thinking about angles right away. We're putting all our eggs in this 400-page basket. <sighs> What's the masterpiece about? It's about life. And love and all the elements. It's a roisterous, boisterous sea story, and the smell of salt spray stings your eyes as you read it, And after you wipe your eyes, what do you read? It's Conrad and Jack London and Robert Louis Stevenson, plus women, and in Technicolor. Harry, open the floodgates. I want reams of advanced publicity. <laughs>
5: I'm glad you agree with me this time that it's a great book. Great book? I couldn't sleep last night just thinking about the possibilities.
1: I'm getting this man Stronghurst down here right away.
5: Have you contacted him?
1: I'm sending him a wire. I've come to the conclusion that the book must be the story of his own life. The life of a reckless, two-fisted elemental man who could stun a steer with a blow of his fist. A man who could crush a coconut with one calloused hand.
5: But you've never seen Stronghurst. Maybe he's five foot two and talks with a lisp.
1: You disgust me. (laughs) Write this down. Stephen Shad Stronghurst, at first sight, strikes you as the sort of man about whom legends gather and grow. Mm -hmm. The story that he crushes coconuts in one calloused hand, apocryphal as it may sound, is the most obvious thing in the world the moment your hand disappears in his immense paw when you're introduced. He is an elemental man. Come in!
0: Will you initial this wire before I send it off, Mr. Blake? Uh, Read it to me first, Miss Jones. Mr. Stephen Shad Stronghurst, Box 652, Main Post Office. Your manuscript, Hard Flows the Sea, has vague possibilities. Please drop in this week for a chat. Signed, Alan Blake, Benson & Blake Publishing. You
5: really don't want to give Mr. Stronghurst any false hopes, do you? Vague possibilities. The only vague thing about it is who'll take the lead when the movies get it? Gary Cooper or or Errol Flynn?
1: Lou, I think you've got a point there. Miss Jones, take out the word Vague. And let me see. This week is too indefinite. Make it immediately on receipt of this wire. How does that sound, Lou? Oh, very cordial. That's an idea. Sign it. Very cordially yours. How's that, Lou?
5: Fine. That'll tell him in a lukewarm sort of way you worship the very keys his calloused fingers type on.
6: Mailboxes
0: are strictly private. No information as to identity can be divulged.
1: I'm not asking for information. I want to meet Mr. Stronghurst of Box 652. I want to make an appointment with him. He ignores my wires and my letters. I just want to speak to the man, that's all.
0: I'm sorry, sir. This is a post office, not a date bureau. Goodbye.
1: Of all the galling, nerve-wracking experiences, this one... Yes. Mr. Howard Crichton,
0: literary editor of the Daily News, is on the other line, Mr. Blake.
1: Oh, put him on, put him on. Hello, Howard, how are you? Blake, you've got something in this Stronghurst saga. I like it. I'm going to say so in my column. Uh, How about a thumbnail biography of the man? I've sent over a character sketch by special delivery. Uh, Is it 10% genuine? Howard, this is too important a thing to joke about. Steve Stronghurst is a simple, down-to-earth man's man. He's been all over the world, mostly traveling steerage. Uh, What else has he written? Not a thing. Needed money one day and locked himself in a cheap bistro in Marseille and batted out this book on a portable. Borrowed from the local gendarme. When the local gendarmes weren't looking, that's the kind of man he is. Uh, What kind of jobs has he held? you name them we got them he was a bullfighter in spain ole a medicine man in africa a commissar in russia a monk in tibet and a wheat speculator in chicago
6: oh
7: sounds fabulous enough Uh, what does he look like
1: think of the statue of a greek god Put some clothes on him, and that's Steve Stronghurst. You should see his hands, great calloused paws that crush a coconut as easily as you or I do an egg. Well, you don't say. Uh, you know, Blake, confidentially, if you're not careful, you're liable to have a bestseller on your hands. <laughs>
4: And the curtain comes down on the first act of tonight's play in the little theater off Times Square.
1: Confections and drinks in the outer lobby or downstairs,
4: please. Ladies and gentlemen, our announcer has a very important message.
3: I'm having a tough time finding good entertainment. Perhaps you're spending a fortune on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and all those other streaming services only to discover you can't keep track of who has what, when, and where. Well, the solution is easier than you know. The Mutual Audio Network has thousands of stories, all in one place, and there are new shows every single day. The Mutual Audio Network works with your schedule. Simply subscribe to the broadcast feed and get access to the entire collection of stories, from hundreds of producers, writers, and actors, from every genre you want. Or subscribe to each individual day's feed to fit your fancy. There's horror, science fiction and fantasy, crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, adventure, action, old classics, live shows, comedies, new shows from Mutual's own United Artists of Audio every day. And it's all free so you can fall in love again with the world's first mass media entertainment. Taking a long drive? A good story makes the time go a lot faster. Want to take a relaxing walk? With Mutual in your pocket, you can pick up your favorite suspense tale. Boring housework getting you down. Put Mutual in your ears and the dishes get washed. The floors get mopped. The laundry gets dried and folded before you know it. So remember Mutual, the world's most trusted Largest curated collection of modern audio drama and fiction. Find out how you can subscribe for free today at MutualAudioNetwork.com. Remember MutualAudioNetwork.com, where we listen and imagine together. Curtain, second curtain.
4: First-nighters are hurrying down the aisles to their seats. The lights are dimmed, and here's the second act of Love is Stranger Than (laughs) Fiction.
1: Louise, I'm desperate. Every nerve I own is twitching. I've heard from most of the book critics in the country, and they're all mad about the advance copies of Hard Flows the Sea.
5: Well, then why the twitching nerves? They should be jumping with joy.
1: Joy! Two weeks before publication, I haven't even seen the author to confirm any part of the phony stories about him I've been broadcasting. He hasn't bothered answering my last 27 wires.
5: Had you allowed sufficient pause for me to continue speaking, Mr. Alan Blake... I would have told you that Mr. Stephen Shad Stronghurst has answered your last desperate, frantic, pathetic telegram.
1: What? Why, why didn't you say that? Oh, for heaven's sake, quick! What does he say?
5: We'll arrive tomorrow, 3 p.m. for interview. Demand absolute privacy. No photographers, no office staff, wire acceptance of conditions, or else. Go on. Or else what? Just, or else. He must have run out of words. Of all the
1: nerve? What does he want me to do? Shut down for half a day? What does he mean no photographers? If he for one solitary minute thinks that I... Yes? I've run out of words. Wire, okay. Mm. come in yes sir come right in have i the pleasure of what are you doing here shh
5: mr stronghurst is coming
1: louise i thought i told you to go home i promised the man that i would don't shout
5: in such a loud whisper it'll make a bad impression right this way mr stronghurst mr alan blake mr stephen stronghurst
1: Lou, you idiot. Open the door so
5: he can come in. He is in. Mr. Stronghurst, say something to Pope-eyed Mr. Blake. How do you do, Mr. Blake? Will you shake one of my calloused hands? Not this one. This one. The one I use for coconut crushing.
1: If this is your idea of a joke, Louise, it's gone too far, and I order you to open that door this minute.
5: You mean you want me to open the door and
1: leave? I do! This is a cheap trick. You came back here against my orders just so you could meet Stronghurst, and I won't stand for it. He'll be here any minute. Miss Turner, leave this office at once. Louise, Miss Turner, you
5: are fired. Am I really? Ooh, that's awkward. What shall I do with all these pleading wires you sent me? Of course, if I went down the street to Alsop Brothers, I'd get a much kinder welcome. See, they're used to publishing bestsellers.
1: Good heavens. Really, Louise? You're... You're you're fooling. Surely you... You can't be...
5: Surely you're not... You're getting warm. I'm Stephen Shad Stronghurst, and I couldn't even crush a peanut with one hand. I don't know a Tibetan monk from an Indian medicine man, and I've only seen Marseille in postcards. But I,
1: I... I still don't understand...
5: I do my research in encyclopedias and travel magazines. The salt spray that stung your eyes as you read my novel was stale eau de cologne. It it seems incredible. The nearest the ocean and I have come to personal contact was five years ago when I tried lobster and didn't like it. But when could you have... I write in the evenings and on my weekends, but you wouldn't know that. You've never shown any interest in what I do with my evenings or my weekends. Lou, I... I don't know how you did it, and I don't know what to say. It's, it's just wonderful.
1: Oh, hello, Mr. Blake. I just uh, happened to be passing by with my camera, and I—oh, hello, Lou. Uh, say, where's the big shot author? I got my camera all primed and ready to. Goodbye, Mike. Glad you dropped in, and I'll. But you, you gave me the signal. You shouted.
5: It's wonderful. So I came in ready to get a couple of fast shots. So, shows. photographers lying in wait outside mm. after you made a solemn promise, Alan Blake, uh.
1: of all the cheating, fraudulent- Lou, please, all I wanted-
5: to... What's the matter with photographers? who What's biting you, kid? I'm fed up. Private secretary and shoulder to weep on for four years. I give him a novel I've slaved over, and something he'll make a fortune out of, and and he lies to me. I'm through.
1: Luis, listen to me. I didn't mean to lie to you.
5: You got my signature on this one, Alan Blake. But from now on, the B&B Publishing Company can go hang. Especially the B that stands for Blake.
7: International Majestic Studios' final offer is $600,000 for movie rights to Hard Flows the Sea. Please advise decision within 12 hours.
0: Benson & Blake Publishing must have at least 1,200 more copies. Hard Flows the Sea, Express Collect Rush. Strongly urge 10th printing.
3: National Book Club, Washington, D.C. Rush 1000 copies hard flows the sea to clear backlog unfilled orders buys new printing signed wholesale book market seattle Yes, Mr. Blake. I tried Louise
0: Turner's old address, and the superintendent had no idea where she'd moved to.
1: Did you try persuasion?
0: I offered him the $50, and he said he certainly would tell me if he knew. (sighs) What about the post office? They said all her mail addressed to Box 652 is sent out to her address, but it's against the rules to divulge it.
1: I simply got to see her. I can't seem to get anything done around here anymore. Uh, Thank you, Miss Jones. There are other ways of getting a rabbit out of a hole than by flooding it out. Miss Jones, ask the switchboard to get me Howard Crichton, literary editor of the Daily News.
0: Mr. Blake, Louise Turner is on the other line.
1: At last! Let me speak to her. Hello, hello, Louise.
5: Alan Blake, if I were in your office right now, I'd slap your face. how could you do such a thing?
1: Lou, oh, please. I was desperate. I I couldn't get hold of you. I had to do something. So
5: you fed the newspapers another pack of lies. Look, I don't mind your telling them that I'm Stronghurst, but the nerve of you... Lou,
1: please, don't you understand? I spent a week trying to trace you, and I was... Then
5: you released to the press that yarn about me peddling Hard Flows the Sea to 20 other publishers, all about how against the judgment of your associates and more out of sympathy than conviction you published my book.
1: Louise, I knew that if those fake stories about you were published in the newspapers, you'd get in touch with me. The original
5: draft of Hard Flows the Sea was far too amateurish, was it? And you spent many anxious days and months polishing it for me, did ya?
1: I'll do anything you say, Louise. I'll admit that I made it up. I'll issue a public
5: statement. I'm the poor, stupid, struggling author who'd still be starving in a garret if it wasn't for Alan Blake, the selfless, altruistic, philanthropic publisher.
1: Louise, believe me, the only reason I said all that was to make you call me.
5: Right now, there are a lot of things I'd like to call you. But the only reason I did now was to tell you how disgusted I am and to say goodbye. Goodbye!
4: The curtain comes down on the second act of tonight's play in the Little Theatre off Times Square. Multi
1: downstairs or in the outer lobby, please.
4: And here, ladies and gentlemen, once more, our announcer.
3: Remember the days of Lux Radio Theatre, Screen Directors Playhouse, and all the other amazing golden radio-age series? You could enjoy listening to a feature-length movie adapted for the theatre of the mind. Fantastic stories projected on the most vivid screen there is, your imagination. Mutual's bringing them back. The Mutual Audio Network heir to the Mutual Broadcasting System from the old days, has announced a new incredible series, Mutual Stage. Brand new full-length features for your imagination screen. Comedies, dramas, thrillers, on demand, and at your fingertips, all free from our United Artists of Audio on Mutual. Pete Lutz of Narada Radio Company fame already got the ball rolling with his adaptation of the comedy caper, Charade, from the movie that originally starred Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn look for the mutual stage in all your favorite listings mutual where we listen and imagine
4: together join us won't you
3: curtain
4: last curtain the first nighters are all in their seats ready for the last act and there goes the curtain
1: This is the best steak the Publishers Club ever had on the menu, Mr. Blake. steak's fine, George. It's just that I'm not hungry, that's all.
7: Well, that's the longest face I've seen on a fellow publisher wear today. Uh, with a bestseller in his pocket, the man looks as if he swallowed his upper plate. Hello, Joe. Uh, George, uh, bring me a steak, too. Yes, sir, Mr. Alsop. Alan, as a junior member of Allsop Brothers, and as a rival publisher, I'd like to congratulate you on the success of your recent bestseller, Hard Flows to Sea. <laughs> Lucky
1: stiff. What's wrong with the luck of Alsop Brothers? Last season you had the giant fell down, and this season, purple petals. I'm
7: not complaining. I only begrudge you your blind luck. Uh, We publish her first book, and then she turns around and says number two is not for us loyalty, she says. Who is she? Uh, Phoebe St. Clair, of course. Who? Alan, if I didn't know you were an actor, I'd say you still didn't know. Anyway, her pseudonym even had you buffaloed at first, eh? And you turned down the best thing the published trade has seen in many moons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What else makes you laugh?
7: (laughs) The way you spend money trying to track down the author, who is none other than your private secretary.
1: Terry. That, that was
7: the biggest laugh.
1: Well, wait, uh, just, just a minute. What are you talking about? I didn't turn it down. I published Hard Flows the Sea. Hard Flows the Sea?
7: I'm talking about purple petals. Uh, Luce said you, yourself, nixed it. <laughs> and what happened? She dropped in our laps the biggest moneymaker since Gone with the Wind. Louise, is
1: B.B. St. Clair, was very funny,
4: wasn't
7: it? Uh, after that first brush-off, how you persuaded her to give you hard flows to see is one of those unsolved mysteries. I didn't expect you to understand it. Uh, personally, I think she's carrying this loyalty thing too far. She worked for
1: you for For years. So what? Don't think I didn't know you were trying to bribe her to work for you, because I- But
7: no, no, she said Joe, in spite of everything I'm offering my next novel to B&B. I owe that much to them. She calls you Joe? Sure. That's my name. And we're very close friends. As a matter of fact, Al, (laughs) I have a surprise for you. Louise and I are going to be married. Married? Uh, you know what happens when a boy meets girl meets preacher. <laughs>
1: She's going to marry you? And she calls that loyalty? Now, just a minute, Blake. I didn't mean that. I I wish you all the luck in the world. You're going to have some sort of party to announce the coming event to the trade, aren't you?
7: Um,
1: I haven't given it any thought, Alan, but it, it might
7: be a good idea.
1: Sure, sure. I... You won't be able to have it at her place, of course. Lou's apartment is so small and so out of the way, I Your hearing must be
7: bad. Small, yes, but her place is nearer this club than mine is. Oh, that's
1: right. Parkman
7: Place, isn't it? You've lost your memory or your mind.
1: She's living on Northburn Crescent. Of course, how could I forget? Northburn Crescent. Let me see, uh, number 614, that was it. Brother, your senility is
7: caught up with your debility. You're only 600 numbers out. Louise is at 1246 North Burn Crescent. Certainly! What
1: was I thinking of? <laughs> I'm hungry. George, George, take this steak back to the kitchen and bring it back steaming, will you? And give Henri... And have Henri stack up on the potatoes and the mushrooms. I'm going to enjoy this meal.
5: And furthermore, I haven't the faintest idea how you discovered where I live, but I didn't invite you.
1: Thanks. Don't mind if I do have a seat. Very comfortable place you have here, Lou. Or have I said that before?
5: You've gone over all the standard openings. Now you can leave. I've known you for almost five years, and I've always known at the back of my mind
1: that when I was ready to go out and paint the town red, I was going to ask the union for an assistant painter like you to help me
5: that particular story you can include in your next book of collected fairy tales mr blake for four years i was just part of the office furniture to you like your desk the only difference was you never scratched a match on me
1: i don't scratch matches on my desk anymore Mm. i use that fancy lighter you gave me last christmas
5: mr blake Isn't it rather odd you're making nice speeches at me after you discover I'm both Stephen Stronghurst and Phoebe Sinclair?
1: The only thing I just discovered, and it
5: has nothing to do with your fat-headed books, is that I'm in love
1: with you. What do you say to that?
5: I dimple shyly, and I murmur that you say the sweetest things... At this point, am I supposed to act like Eve in Purple Petals and fall into your strong young arms with a strangled sob?
1: If you did, you'd be able to write a better book than Purple Petals. What? How how Phoebe St. Clair and Stephen Shad Stronghurst can be one and the same person, I've stopped trying to figure out.
5: Here is something easier to figure out. Your touching declaration of your feelings about me is three days too late. Three days ago... I decided to marry Joe Alsop. But
1: you can't marry that. that. You can't marry Alsop when you're.
5: well, when you're. When I'm what?
1: Well, when you're in love with me. That's what.
5: You are an overbearing, conceited, rude, vain. I love you too, dear.
1: Why do you think that dill pickle proposed to you? Because he likes the tilt of your pretty neck when you're taking dictation? Maybe he wants to marry me because- Certainly not! Do you think he wants to marry you because the tip of your silly nose wrinkles when you laugh? (laughs) He wants you because he wants to make sure your literary output goes to Alsop Brothers. That's why you're an investment.
5: Because you're dishonest and conniving. You think everybody is. Joe Alsop is everything you want. He's honest and upright. He's steadfast and reliable and... and a
1: stodgy, complacent, cigar swelling hippopotamus.
5: <laughs> that proves you don't know what you're talking about. There's no such animal.
1: All right. Marry him. But before you do, tell him you've just finished a new book and you're going to let me publish it. Then see how fast the love light in his eyes congeal into a cold stare.
5: All right, I'll do that. I'll show you.
1: And let me be the first to know the happy outcome. Phone me tomorrow.
5: Oh, I will.
0: I told you that the Martine Correspondence is in Mr. Benson's
1: office, Mr. Blake. Where are the Godfrey files, Miss Jones? Where are the Lessing files? Where are any files?
0: All the files are in your right-hand
1: drawer, Mr. Blake, where they've been for years. uh, Why didn't anyone tell me I had an important appointment with Gibsons yesterday? Mr. Blake,
0: on your appointment pad, circled in red and underlined,
1: there was a note. I've no time to look at my appointment pad. Miss Jones, are you sure Louise hasn't phoned yet? Get over to the switchboard and check the line to my office. Maybe it's out of order. Maybe... Well, she didn't have to slam the door so hard.
5: Mr. Blake? Miss
1: Jones, I can't wait. I want you to... Louise.
5: Well, I see you haven't changed at all in your old habitat.
1: Hello, Lou. I'd... It's good to see you again in this office. like, Like old times. How are you?
5: I'm a lot better than you thought I'd be at this time today, Mr. Blake. I told Joe exactly what you said.
1: Oh, you you did? And he changed his mind. I knew he would. I know Joe Alsop.
5: We were going to be married in two weeks. Now he wants to get married Monday. Oh. He actually suggested tomorrow, but there are several things I want to get done first.
1: Of course. I... Well, Lou, I, I want to wish you, both of you, all the luck in the world.
5: Thank you. By the way, as far as business goes, you can relax. I've decided to give my next novel to B&B if they want it.
1: That's very kind of you, Louise, and Benson will be very happy. But there's only going to be one B in the name of this firm. Mm-hmm. I've decided to sell out. I'm not happy here, and, and I need a rest. Oh. Well, there's nothing much left to say, is there? I, uh, drop around sometime, both of you, won't you?
5: Tell me, how did you know the tip of my nose wrinkles when I laugh?
1: You just notice these things, I suppose, about, about people you like, I suppose.
5: And do you really think I have a, a pretty neck?
1: What are you trying to do, Louise? I've said all I'm going to say, except that Joe is a very lucky man.
5: He doesn't seem to think so. I told you what he said. Do you want to know what I said?
1: I'd rather not, Lou. Let's just part the best of friends I and...
5: said that if I married him on Monday, I'd be committing bigamy. Bigamy? What? What on earth do you mean? Bigamy is having more than your legal ration of husbands, isn't it? Well, if I become Mrs. Alan Blake on Sunday, there's some law or other that would frown on my... Louise. Louise, dear, did you say... I... darling. Please take me in your arms, kiss me, then go out and get a haircut and a marriage license.
1: Louise, darling, do I have to do all those things? I... Dearest.
5: now dear i said you're to kiss me and Though I didn't get a haircut darling <laughs> i said kiss me and oh just kiss me that's all <gasps>
4: There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the premiere performance of what looks like a new hit play on the Great White Way at the Little Theatre off Times Square. Miss Rosebank and Mr. Bell are taking their bows. Now Angela Young, Larry Grobe, Joe Stofko, and Paul Arbezy. Now the audience is giving the entire cast a great ovation. Did the first-nighters like it? Listen to that applause. Next week, we'll hope you'll join us again for the 19th season premiere of The Sonic Society. Come and bring the whole family next week, at this same time. And now we move out of the theater and into the street.
1: Here's your cab, Mr. First huh?
4: Thank you. Good night.
3: The First Nighter program, starring John Bell and Pat Rosebank, is a copyrighted radio feature. Originally starred Olin Sule and Barbara Letty, and originally produced and directed by Joseph Ainley. Tonight's performance starred John Bell, Pat Rosebank, Angela Young, Joe Stofko, and introduced Paul Arbisi and Trevor Rhines as your First Nighter. Production and directing tonight was from your announcer, Jack J. Ward. Tonight's play was pure fiction, and did not refer to real people or actual events. This is a Sonic Cinema production for the Mutual Radio Network and Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Good night. Sonic Cinema
2: Productions Thank you Pat Rosebank and thank you John Bell and all the Shadowlands players from the Sonic Cinema Productions Company And that will signal the end of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse for Season 14 and our summer of 2023. Thank you so much for joining me and Jack Ward as your hosts and announcers and producers for this series. As I sweep up the spotlights and close down the Playhouse for another off-season, keep in mind it will reopen more often for mutual stage in the coming months and years. Join me and Jack next week as we begin the 19th season of the Sonic Society. Until then, and from all of us here, good night from Halifax, Nova Scotia. And that concludes our Season 14 of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Please return next week as Jack and I will begin the first of Season 19 of the Sonic Society. For everyone at the Playhouse, I'm David Alt. See you next season.
1: If you produce audio dramas, it obviously isn't to become rich and famous. You love the medium and you want to share your passion for theater of the mind. The Mutual Audio Drama Network is looking for you.